your day job is sucking your will to live and it's just not what you feel called to do and you feel like there's something bigger, here's one of the things that you can look forward to doing. Hi, I'd like to welcome you to our show. I'm your host, Prang Medic. We're talking about life as a child of God and all things related to his kingdom. Thanks for joining us. If you're a new listener to the show, you can find articles and books and other resources on my website, www.prangmedic.com. Now let's jump into this week's show. Hey everybody, it is Praying Medic and Praying Medic's wife back on the Praying Medic podcast. Hey hello, baby. Hello, hello. You're looking good today. Huh. I didn't even finish <laughs> putting my makeup on, so kind of barefaced. They can't see me, so that's good. <laughs> you don't have naturally curly hair, but you're naturally beautiful. Right. So what are we talking about today? Oh, we keep changing our minds, so... Um... We are going to talk today about how to quit your day job and start your career as a creative person. Yeah, or at least how to think about it and make a transition maybe. Yeah. Um, this is not for everybody. Um, you shouldn't do this without a net probably either. <laughs> Don't try this at home. Yeah. Unless you feel really, really led and called to do this at home and then you should absolutely do it at home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we're going to talk today and we might make two or three messages related to this subject because there's a lot of ground to cover, but she and I have been working toward getting out of our careers. I'm looking at ditching my job as a paramedic after 30 some years. And you're <laughs> finally going to ditch your job as a graphic designer. Yeah. And not that I won't keep my skills up because we certainly need graphic design in our business, in right. the book business. But you're not going to be doing graphic design for other people. Yeah. I mean, it's been a long and a lot of people are in the same boat that we are, you know, once you've been in a job for a long time, or even if, you know, like this is self-employment for me, but it's just not my calling. It's even though I'm good at doing graphic design, I, I don't feel like it's what I want to do. And it's what God is calling me to do right now. Um, it was a way to make money that was pretty stable. And that's one of the things that a lot of us are wrestling with right now is we're in these jobs where we have the skill set, we can do the work, we're good at it. I'm a decent paramedic. I don't kill too many people, but yet I feel like it's holding me back that I can do some other things and more things, but it's going to require me not working as a paramedic anymore. Right. There's a time constraint now. You spend a lot of your spare time... Um connecting with people on Facebook, uh, writing your blog posts, writing books, writing, 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 and editing and doing podcasts now. And that could be opened up so much more if you weren't working 48 plus hours as a medic. And as much as you still, you still like being a medic, it's not like you hate it. Um, you still have some good experiences on the job and everything. And you work yeah, with some good people, Yeah, but it's been 30 years, you know, <laughs> it's a long it's time, been a long time. Yeah. And I just feel like 
I guess I feel like there's more things I can do that are more challenging that would give me the ability to reach more people and to impact a larger audience and to inspire people in some bigger ways if I wasn't working as a paramedic. The hours I put in on the job as a medic really restrict what I can do right now. So for those of you who are a creative person, and that's whether you're a writer, a painter, whether you draw charcoal or pencil, whether you're a singer or a dancer, uh, maybe you're a drummer, whatever it is that you're doing, whatever it is that you're gifted at, whatever your expertise is, if you're a creative person, this message is to encourage you to consider taking that creative ability and making it your full-time work, your passion, and your income. Mm-hmm. And that's where this gets a little tricky because people who are believers and who have ministry um, ideas with their creativity, I think a lot of times they're always afraid to earn money or to ask for money for what they do. I was, well, you know how we started like with my that. book. I was like that. When you started talking to me about writing the book, the first book, I just couldn't see myself asking for money for the book. Right. But the book was years of work. Years. Three years of work. (laughs) And then a whole lot of work to prepare it. Um, Not just the writing and the revelation that you gained over three years and of, of healing people and everything, but then just us sitting down and saying, okay, how do we make this into a book? And we had a lot, a learning curve too. Even though you worked for a publisher, there was still a huge learning curve for both of us to learn how to take the revelation, put it into a book, and then market it and get it into the hands of a lot of people. So we're going to talk a little bit about that process. And I'm going to be quite honest, myself, like a lot of people who are believers, we have a poverty mindset. Um, We have this mindset where we feel like we're not entitled to to live an abundant life. We just feel like we need to get by and we're just going to live paycheck to paycheck and God really isn't going to bless us financially. You know, because of the prosperity gospel, quote unquote, that's been out there for a few years, a lot of people have had a negative reaction to that. And It's like you swing entirely the opposite direction and say, well, now I have to be poor, you know, because I don't like that whole... Uh, yeah, it's wealth. like yeah, it's like either you're out there to be driving a gold Mercedes-Benz or you're living paycheck to paycheck and there's nothing in the and middle. Driving a rusty car that breaks down all the time and then you yeah. can't get to your job or whatever. I think there is some middle ground, right? I, I think there is too. And my wife and I aren't motivated to make a million dollars and live a lavish lifestyle. Um, we're, we're doing okay financially. We're doing pretty well, especially in the last few months, uh, book sales have been doing really well. And at this point, I could probably quit my job as a paramedic if I wanted to. Um, mm-hmm. we're, we're making enough now off the books that I could quit my job. But That might we, put us back into the struggling uh, yeah. so arena. I'm going to continue to work as a medic for a while. And my sweetie here has made a deal with me that once we reach a plateau where our income is fairly consistently at a certain level and there's little danger of it dropping off uh, dramatically, then I will uh, become a writer, a full-time writer. Right. I mean, I'm looking forward to that because then we'll be home together 
all day and we'll be working in the home together and we enjoy being together. So that'll be pretty cool. We do like being together. I miss you like crazy when I'm at work. Yeah, I miss you too. I probably get more done when you're not here to truth be told, but I don't know why that is because, <laughs> because I won't have to be going in and checking on you and seeing how you're doing. But so it was about three years ago, you and I started having our first conversations about me writing books and doing that full time. And I could not wrap my brain around it for the life of me. I just thought, no way. I'm just going to be a paramedic until I'm 65, collect my social security. Maybe I won't, won't have a pension. Maybe I will. Who knows? And I had a poverty mindset. And you spent a lot of time basically coaching me out of that poverty mindset into a mindset where I could see myself actually being successful as a writer. And thank God you had a little bit of experience running your own business Mm -hmm. years ago. I mean, it wasn't a huge business, but you had already had your own business and you knew a little bit about what that was like. Right. Um, I have actually started several businesses and some of them just did terribly, but that's usually successful people in, in their own business have failed a few times first. Actually, James Altucher is a great, uh, role model. Um, we'll put a link in the podcast notes to the current book by James that we're reading, which is called choose yourself. Choose Yourself and the Choose Yourself Guide to Wealth. There's, I think, yeah. two books. We're reading the second one right now. So I probably should have read the first one first. But, you know, Choose Yourself, it's about um, kind of like hiring yourself and trusting that you can do it rather than uh, relying on a company to hire you and and they could boot you out the door at any time or they could close or they could be making bad decisions that affect your family. Whereas if you choose yourself and you are in business for yourself, then you are at the helm and you get to make the decisions. And that um, can be a little bit scary. Yeah, totally. But, but it is very, very liberating once you wrap your brain around the idea that you can take your creative abilities and talents and build a network and make some connections and actually have a fairly successful life. You know, James is a great example. I mean, that guy had a lot of great ideas, and he's kind of an idea person. Um, mm-hmm. I think on the Myers-Briggs, he's probably the, the rational uh, inventor. G- guy with a lot of ideas, started a lot of different companies. Uh, most of them failed. Um, just crashed horrible stories about failure. But he kept picking himself up, kept reinventing things, kept his ideas going, and th- learned some lessons made some failures, and then had some successes and uh, actually became fairly successful in some of his businesses. Oh, yeah. He um, he started some businesses, but one of them he sold almost within like five months, I think. Um, it was a financial network type business where, uh, let's say, hedge fund managers or people like that who managed a lot of money could get on his site and be talking amongst themselves and batting ideas around and stuff. And it had, you know, I guess a lot of bells and whistles for them. And he sold, he turned, you know, he built that up from his basement. He was working in his basement by himself. And then in five months, he sold it for a lot of money. He could have, he probably could have built it up even further. And he even says that, and maybe he sold it too soon, but he has had a lot of success despite 
falling down, really getting battered up, you know? Yeah. Well, his whole uh, message in this book is that we have moved into a different era Mm -hmm. in the workplace where instead of working for someone else, the new model that we need to really embrace is working for ourselves and really it's ideas that are mm-hmm. the, the driving force of society right now. Right. Ideas are the hot commodity, I guess. And if you look at people who are the most prolific right now, they are people who have a lot of really good ideas. Uh, Steve Jobs is a great mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. I mean, the reason why Apple has been so successful is because he has a lot of brilliant ideas and he hired a lot of brilliant people who had great ideas and those great ideas, when you bring them to the marketplace, people love them. They like the fruit of those great ideas, and that makes people successful. So mm-hmm. if you have the ability to come up with some good ideas, that's one of the first keys is to being successful. Now, you and I have started recently one of his exercises where you have to come up with 10 ideas a day. Yeah. We haven't actually done it every day, but we tried, and I think we'll keep trying. Um it can be any idea. He just says, write it down. He even uses, what he uses is a little um, waitress pad, you know, like a little order pad from a restaurant. He buys them by the hundreds, I think, online. And then he just writes his 10 ideas on that. And they could be crappy ideas too. Yeah. Um, but, but you'll eventually come up with some good ideas. He said a lot of the ideas might not even be a product or something you can sell. They're just ideas, you know, of anything. They could be stupid ideas for a book um, plot or whatever, but you will keep what he does is he keeps the good ones. And then when he, if something would fail in his business, he would have this, all these ideas saved up other ideas. So he could switch gears and do something else. Yeah. Because a lot of people run into the roadblock and they hit the wall because they run out of ideas. Um, something doesn't work and they give up because, well, I'm out of ideas. And one of the things that you need to keep doing every day is coming up with new, fresh ideas, new ways to solve problems. Well, and solving problems mm-hmm. is a huge thing. So I'm going to talk a little bit about um, writing books. One of the things that got me started writing my first book on divine healing was I had people coming to me asking me questions mm-hmm. because I had developed a little bit of expertise in healing. And I had seen some people not healed, and I saw some people who were healed and then they lost their healing. And I had a lot of discussions with people who had success in healing. Um, on Facebook, I was having all these discussions with people from around the world who had a fair amount of success in healing. We had a lot of question and answer sessions, and I kind of gleaned a lot of the answers and wrote all that stuff down. And people were always asking me these questions, and I would send them you know, a message uh, on Facebook and uh, inevitably, somebody a week later would ask the same question, and I'd have to write out the same answer again and send it to them. So finally, I realized, man, all the same people, all these people are asking the same questions. Maybe I need to just write it all out in a little document that I can copy and paste for all these people that are asking questions. So I started doing that, and I wrote out these little documents and saved them. And uh, after I had about 20 of these documents written that answered all these questions, people started saying, maybe you should take that stuff and put it in a book. (laughs) And I thought, no way, I don't want to do that. But the reality of it is, one of the key things about writing a book 
is being able to answer people's questions or solve a problem. If you have life experience, if you have revelation, if you have something in your life that allows you to solve someone's problem, a common problem, or answer a set of questions that people have about something, if you take that and write it in a book, you have a very good chance of having a successful book. Now, our friend, Northwest Prophetic, Mm -hmm. just posted a little blog post today about his experiences when God suggested it was time for him to get outside the four walls of the church. Mm -hmm. And he has written a lot of blog posts on that subject and has had a lot of discussions on Facebook. So I am now encouraging him, take those um, blog posts, take your essays, and turn them into an ebook and publish it because there are a lot of people in the world who are following God, they are believers in Jesus, but they don't feel like they fit into the typical church scene. And they have a lot of questions, mm-hmm. and they have concerns, and they have fears. And a book like that would help answer the questions those people have. That would be a very successful book. It's a great idea, because it answers a question or two, and it solves a problem. So what I'm getting around to with people who are interested in writing is, take your life experiences if they're able to, if you have solved a problem, if you have found uh, the solution to something, if you have answered a lot of questions from people, take those answers and experiences and write them in a book and publish them as an ebook. Now, there's a lot more that goes into publishing ebooks. Right now, I'm mentoring a whole bunch of friends in the art of publishing ebooks. It's something that I recently uh, picked up on. You and I have taken a lot of classes and some online webinars to learn learn how to do Kindle book publishing. Um, I'll just say this. It's not as difficult as most people think it is. It can be frustrating, but if you have some good information to get going, I mean, we kind of started into it fairly blind. (laughs) Yeah, we did. But But we learned. We we learned, but, you know, there's a learning curve, but, um, but it's not that difficult and the um, Amazon is making the process easier all the time with their templates, with their cover designer, with a bunch of different uh, tools that they have. <clears throat> Amazon is really trying to help uh, people who want to self-publish their own books. They're making the process easier all the time. So if you are a person who's a writer, I would seriously uh, encourage you to consider taking your essays and your blog posts and think about writing eBooks. Um, the, my first advice to everyone who wants to write is get a blog, get a personal website, set that sucker up. doesn't matter if it's a, a blogger blog or a WordPress website. doesn't matter what it is. Pick one, uh, set it up and start posting your messages Start, whether it's poetry or photography or whatever it is, whether it's uh, self-help, get your messages out there. Art. Art. (laughs) Exactly. Music. Um, If you're a musician, if you're a drummer, if you're a guitarist, whatever, start writing about what it is that you're doing. Now, this is going to sound weird to a lot of people, but you have to trust me on this. People want to know what makes you tick. The whole concept of blogging is 
You need to tell your story. Mm-hmm. Now, you may not think anyone in the world wants to know about your story, but trust me, they do. I don't care how weird you are. I don't care what your background <laughs> is like. There is someone a, will gravitate. There is a group of people out there who want to hear your story. Mm-hmm. Now, for me, I started in 2009. I started blogging, writing my story of, you know, people I was praying for in the ambulance, people we prayed for in the grocery store, um, the dreams that I was having, just all the weird experiences I was having. And I thought there's probably aren't a lot of people that are going to want to hear about this. But as time went on, especially as I got my blog connected onto Facebook, and I started reaching out to more people and answering people's questions, um, the level of interest really surprised me. Mm-hmm. The number of people who wanted to hear my story. And this is the thing you have to realize as a creative person. Whether you're a painter or someone who does charcoal drawings or whether you're a musician, that is almost a secondary concern. The primary concern is people want to know about your life. A lot of the reason why people buy a certain painting from a certain artist is they like that artist's lifestyle. They like their story. They like the stories of growing up. They like where they live. Sometimes they have a lot in common. Right. In other words, if I say I'm from Pennsylvania, that will actually attract other people who grew up in Pennsylvania. You know, even if they're not artists, they would connect with me on where I lived or places I've traveled or things like that. I mean, right. you can you can attract a lot of people to yourself, to your blog who are who have similar who have similar interests. yeah, interests. Like for me, I attract a lot of people in healthcare who are Christians. Uh, even if they're not necessarily interested in healing or deliverance, the fact that they're a paramedic or a nurse and they're a believer, they like hearing my stories. There's that familiarity factor that if no matter what your story is, no matter what your background is, no matter where you grew up or what your interest is, there is a tribe of people out there that identify with your story. They identify with you and you need to start connecting to those people because when you start writing and when you start posting your pictures, posting your paintings, putting up your music, whatever on a website, if you do it fairly regularly and consistently, Google is going to start categorizing and cataloging and aggregating all of your messages and they're going to start directing people to your website. This is just how it works. The best way to get a following of people to develop a community is to start blogging and writing and do it regularly. And whether you're posting paintings or drawings or music or whatever, it doesn't really matter. Whatever your thing is, just do it. Put it on a website. If you're a, if you're a graphic artist, get a, a, a website with a template that has a nice wide um, center column where you can post your images. If you're into poetry, there are uh, templates that lend themselves really well to poetry. Um, if you're a writer, there's some templates that lend themselves well to writing. If you're a musician, you can get a template that uh, allows you to write blog posts and put up your music. What you really need to think about doing is just getting your content out there and finding your tribe and telling your story. Because once you start doing that, people are going to start coming around and they're going to start visiting and subscribing to your blog and they're going to connect with you. And then they're going to be commenting and they'll be uh, asking you questions and they'll, they're, they're going to be inspired by what it is that you're doing. And pretty soon before you know it, you're going to have a community of people that you'll connect with. And here's the thing. 
being a successful creative person is really all about either creating or joining a community of people who have a common set of values and ideas. And that's the thing that a lot of people don't understand when it comes to publishing books or putting out music. They think that they can just put a link to their book out on Facebook and that people are going to want to come to their, uh, buy their book by the millions. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't work that way. No, you have to have the community first. Yeah. Social media is called social media because it's all about being social and being social is about finding a group of people with common interests and common ideas and common values. And what I found out, and I, I learned this by mistake is as I got onto Facebook and as I was blogging and connected my stories and testimonies with a community of people on Facebook and became part of this huge community of thousands of people, I became a contributor to the community. I was giving them free information, free essays, free learning, and and free advice. And inspiration and, and jokes. And, and inspiration <laughs> and jokes and coffee and bacon and yeah. things that everybody likes. I was becoming an integral part of this community. And, and I'll just tell you, this is my secret to writing a best-selling book. <laughs> so you ready? Take notes. One, uh, become a central part or a key part of a significant community of people who have similar values and similar ideas. Okay, become a part of a community. Uh, inspire those people and encourage them. Do whatever you can to make their lives better. And don't ask them anything in return. Just give into the community. Whether it's uh, inspiring words, encouragement, poetry, uh, praying for people, uh, whatever it is that you do, just do it with that community and become a person who is supporting that community. That's step number one. Step number two is take your creative gift, whatever that is, and give it to them for free. So first is become part of the community. Second is contribute your gifting into the community and don't ask anything for it. Step number three is take your creative ability, whether it's music, paintings, writing, whatever, and develop it into uh, a format that you can sell. So for you, that's taking your paintings and getting them on canvas and creating some prints and making them available. Right. For me, it's taking my stories and testimonies and what I've learned in my dreams and putting that into book format so that people can buy them. For uh, my friend Todd, the drummer, this might look like... Now, here's the thing. If you're a musician, you can package your music and you can create CDs. And uh, there's a, If you have a website, a WordPress website, there's a plug-in called Easy Digital Downloads. You can put that plug-in on your website and you can upload digital content like music and uh, PDFs of uh, writing or whatever... People can um, download that content off your website. You can charge for it or you can do it for free. A little bit of a learning curve to doing that. But that's one way that you can make your stuff available to your community. Now, if you're a musician, you may want to sell your music. But if you're an accomplished musician, you may want to sell lessons on how to do a certain thing. So if you're a really good drummer, maybe 
your mojo is holding drumming workshops and having people come and sign up. So you teach them what it is that you're doing. Um, there's a lot of different ways that you can mentor and train and encourage people. Mm-hmm. I think I want to back up a little bit because when you said, when you talked about solving a problem, it, it seems to me for writers, uh, that seems like a good fit because you can say how to do this or how to, you can write about how to do something. Yeah. That was specific to writing books. But when I, you know, as a visual artist, I used to think, well, you know, I can't really solve anybody's problem, but yes, I can. Um, my, my coach that I'm working with right now, Sam Bennett, Sam Bennett, she talks about how, yes, you, you can solve a problem with art, you actually, you know, you might be solving a problem that an interior designer has for a need for this size of art this to fit this space for this particular client, you know. Or you could be um, creating something that somebody needs on their wall to inspire them, you know, that they look at every day and they think, oh, my gosh, I'm so inspired. It's meeting somebody's need. Right. So there are needs out there even for... Um, you know, that we can meet even as visual artists. So I think a lot of times we feel like, you know, art is not needed, really. I mean, it's not like food. (laughs) You know, you can live without art, but um, we know that we wouldn't want to. But there are a lot of people who choose not to live without art. Absolutely. Do you want to tell the story or should I? Oh, uh, yeah, I can tell it. Um. This is, now this wasn't from the Thriving Artist series, was it? No, I can't remember where this story came from. I, um, I heard about it online, I guess. Um, so this artist uh, did like a group show with other artists, and um, he met some collectors who showed up there. Um, he talked with them, and the one collector actually invited him to his home with some other people, you know, a bunch of people were invited. And um, You mean there are people out there who actually buy art right. and pay a lot of money for it? Yeah, people Collectors? who have a lot of money actually want art on their walls. Um, and they're apparently very particular about <laughs> who they buy from. But so anyway, this, this artist was invited to this collector's home for some kind of gathering. They were eating and everything. And the collector hadn't bought a piece of art from this, this artist, but he, he did invite him. So everybody's, you know, talking and the collector is sort of unveiling this painting that he bought from an artist that, and he was bragging about it, that it cost $900,000. And he actually talked to this artist that he invited and said, I would have bought your painting, but it didn't cost enough. <laughs> so, I mean, that's eye-opening to me that some people will actually, it's a status thing for them to pay a lot for a painting or to pay a lot for anything. Now, when um, you were talking to Sam about your artwork, she gave you some suggestions about how to price your work. Yeah, well, she, from her experience working with a lot of creative people, she said creative people always price too low um, and they don't value themselves enough. 
And so she made, um, she actually wanted me to double my prices for paintings, which I was not, <laughs> I don't even feel like I know what I'm doing yet. I mean, even though I've painted, uh, even though I'm a trained painter, I've been away from it for years because I was doing graphic design. So, and I'm venturing into new areas like abstract art, which is a learning curve for me. So I feel like what I need to do right now with my art is actually paint and learn and grow as an artist. But she was already telling, because she doesn't know, she had, she didn't know me yet. So she was already saying, well, you need to double your prices. I'm like, what prices? I don't even have prices yet. Um, but the other thing that she said when I told her I wanted to get out of the graphic design business, um, she wanted me to double my rate for that. For your client. And uh, she wanted me to double my rate and stay in it and hire people to work for me and manage them. And then I would get a cut of that, that difference. And, you know, if I'm charging $100 an hour and so, I pay somebody $20 an hour, then I get to keep the rest. So you had been working with this client for a couple of years. Yeah, so I do have this main graphic design client that I've been working with probably since 2012. And you told them you wanted to quit working for them. And I did. I, I sincerely wanted to stop doing this because it's, it's getting to a point where I've retouched so many vitamin bottles in Photoshop. I've done so many vitamin labels now, I don't really get to design it anymore. It's just a matter of fitting stuff so on. So you, like a million other people, are in a, doing a job that you really don't feel inspired and doesn't really work for you anymore. It's getting boring. There, there are occasion, there's occasionally an interesting job here and there that comes along uh, with that company, but not very many. So how did you uh, handle your desire to get out of there? So I, I went to them. And I said, I really want to scale down. I don't want to be working. I don't want to be at my desk working on your work every day anymore. I don't want to be available every day anymore. I'm really trying to get out of graphic design, and I want to, I want to do my own thing. I, I want to see what I can do as a painter. So I eventually, because they, they weren't finding anyone to replace me, even though I was saying I were need to go. Were they actually looking? I, have, I don't think they were looking. So then they come to me and they're all in a panic saying, we don't know what to do because you don't want to do this anymore. And what can we do to keep you? And I'm thinking, oh, I don't want you to keep me. I want to leave. I don't want to do this anymore. (laughs) And so I thought about it and I got back to them and I said, well, if I'm going to do any more work for you from this point on, I need to double my rate because it makes more sense for me to to do what I love to do than for me to continue doing this. You know, I sit at the computer too long. I get neck pain. I don't want to put that strain on my body. I want to get up and move around and paint. And, um, so you doubled your rate. So I doubled my rate. And what did they say? And then they said, Oh, okay. (laughs) That's fine. We'll pay that. That's what everybody else is charging anyways. I thought, Oh my gosh, I should have tripled my rate. You should have doubled your rate two years ago. And then you should have tripled your rate this exactly. time. Exactly. So, See, so I was charging too, too little. You were charging um, too little, like most willing, creative people. They were willing to pay twice. And I've already uh, worked for some ministries where I sent them a bill. And I usually cut them a break because I know it's hard in ministry. But I would send them a bill for my work, and they would end up sending me more money than I asked for. 
because they just felt there was value there. So I think a lot of us do um, not value what Under we do. Undervalue our work. Yeah. Um, we think that we won't have any business if we charge more. Right. But the reality is you will find the people who are willing to pay more. You know, that's the shocker for me. When I, we started publishing books, I found all these people who were like, I'm happy to pay 10 bucks for your Kindle book. That's an awesome book. I learned so much. I've actually seen people healed. I've seen family members healed. This is a great value for me. 10 bucks to get a class on healing? They thought it was a great deal. And I'm thinking sometimes maybe I should just like make it 99 cents permanently because it's not worth that much. And that's how we creative people are. We always undervalue what it is that we're doing. We never think it's worth it, what we're asking for. So going back to the formula that I had for writing a best-selling book. So number one is become part of or start up a community of people. Number two is uh, encourage and make that community better. Give them your uh, content for free and don't ask anything for it and just be a blessing to them. Number three is take the content over time and package it to where you can sell it. Number four is let your community know that the stuff that they have just been benefiting from for the last however long is now available for purchase if they want to buy it. And they will take your stuff and they will promote it to their friends because you have shown yourself a person of honor and a valuable person in the community and they will believe in you and they will say, Oh my gosh, this guy's writing has blessed me so much. You've got to buy his book or, Oh, I love her paintings. God just speaks through these paintings and you are going to love her paintings or whatever it is that you do. Like Mm -hmm. your music, people just say this music is so anointed it's so awesome. You know, the presence of God is all over this. You need to get this music. People will take your stuff and they will promote it to their friends. And you don't mm-hmm. have to do any marketing and promotion at all. Right. You don't have to be a salesman. You don't have to be salesy. You just have to be in community with people. My, my coach, Sam Bennett, says marketing is getting people to know you. Whatever you do to get people to know you, like you, and trust you. And you have to be in community with people for that to happen. And, and I that's think. the thing, because if you're not in a community of people who know, like, and trust you, then you're on the outside looking in and you're trying to market your stuff. You're trying to get people to buy your stuff and they don't even know you. They don't know why they should buy it. And a lot of times they don't really want it. And you're trying to sell them something they don't want, or maybe they don't really need. Mm-hmm. But if you're inside that community, those people know you, they trust you, they respect you. They know your heart and they know that whatever you're doing is worth them promoting to their circle of friends. Right. They might know, even if they don't want what you are offering, they might know someone who does. Um, and they will, they'll spread the word anyway, just to be nice and to be a friend. Yeah. It's that's, cool. that's what has happened to me. Like we have spent almost nothing on promoting and advertising and marketing this year. We spent a lot of money last year, and we didn't really know what was going to work. So it was kind of like throwing something up up against the wall to see if it would stick. And really, none of that paid marketing really helped us that much. So no. even when we were on the Patricia King XP 
email blast. I think we didn't break even on that, but we got we got our first sale in Brazil of a book and, and our, our first, first sale, sale in Japan. In Japan. Yeah. So that opened up some avenues, you know. Yeah. Looking back, you know, was it worth it? I don't know. We have now a little community of people in Japan. Yes, that know, we know communicate about us. with. So, yeah. and they actually translated something of yours into Japanese. Yeah, well, Kazuko has been translating um, a bunch of chapters from my healing book into Japanese for her circle of friends. She translated a video just a couple days ago, uh, one of my a video on healing into Japanese for her friends. Um, so that's been really kind of crazy for me. They just found out, found out about me took a liking to what I was writing and started translating it for their friends. And we've talked And, and on we Skype. consider them friends. They yeah. are friends, you know, even though we have never been with them in person, we've talked on Skype and we write on Facebook back and forth. So, uh, you never know what will come of your efforts, but it's all been good. It's all been good. Thanks for tuning in to the first part of our message on how to quit your job and have a career as a creative person. We are just getting started. We've got 50 well, more folks, minutes. Well, folks, that is uh, our show for today. I hope you enjoyed you it. Thanks for dropping by. Part two of the show. If you're new to the podcast and you haven't been to my website, you might drop by and check out the articles I have there. If you have any questions or comments about the show, you can contact me at admin at prayingmedic.com. That's A-D-M-I-N at prayingmedic.com. I'd like to thank you again for dropping by. I hope you enjoyed the show.